welcome to another episode of Crystal Myth Podcast with myself, Leslie, and my lovely, glamorous co-host, Mr. Mark Dornan. Hello. Hey, you had a power cut. I did. Because we had raging storms the past week. What were the names? Uh, They had nice names, didn't they? I can't remember. (laughs) Jocelyn was one one of them, I think. Esha and Jocelyn, I think. Yeah. Esha, I don't know. Never heard of that name, Esha. Esha and Jocelyn sounds like you'd be having a good night out. (laughs) Like, what are you up to this weekend? I'm going out with Esha and Jocelyn. We're going to storm it up in the bars and club. Yeah. Blow your wheelie bins over and your trees and all that. Cut your power. A lot of destruction in their wake. Why not? That's what storms do. Well, this week, speaking of storms, storming a port, we're talking about lighthouses, baby. Big phallic symbol. Uh, I don't know if you think of lighthouses as big phallic symbols, but they do look like big dicks. Uh, I, I haven't hope. until you said that there, but well, as soon as you said it, I they are think. big, tall erections, aren't they? They are. <laughs> One of the tallest erections that was put up was in ancient Alexandria by well, it wasn't um, Alexandria him, Alexander the Great himself to put it up, but Ptolemy the first, and he built. One of the second tallest buildings in the ancient world at the time. The first being, guess what? The Tower of Babylon? <laughs> no, I don't even think the Tower of Babylon existed, Mark. Do you no, neither do I. I don't think it's real. That's why I said it like that, where I was like, I feel like you're saying this like it's a very obvious answer, and the only it other thing I can think of isn't real. It is an obvious answer. The, the first, and it's still here, one of the ancient ones of the world, it's still kicking about, kicking about. It's a giant pyramid. The Pyramid of Giza was still oh. like the number one tallest. Obviously, it's not the tallest structure now, but back then it was the tallest structure in the ancient world. You know, though, Say, what? that if you've not seen the pyramids, even though I've been told this, like, you always forget how big they are. I've seen them in person, yes. I was physically at the pyramids looking at them. Whereas in my head, I'm like, the pyramids are about half the size of my house now I know that's not right because people constantly you're not right in the head <laughs> but I don't know I think just you don't think of them as being I'm aware they're called the great pyramids but <laughs> you just don't think of them as being that big well I do because I've seen them well the smallest ones is not that tall but I suppose you could say that you could live in one of the smallest ones I think I was in the second biggest pyramid I didn't go in the great pyramid I went in one of the smaller ones and to be honest there was fuck all in it it was just it was just basically there was boring hallways and that was it and some empty chambers it was pretty cool being inside it yeah um, I mean, it's not exactly isolated. The city's pretty much encroached upon the pyramids because there's everyone knows there's a McDonald's and a KFC opposite. And yeah, <laughs> so you could go and have a KFC and look out on the, and have a lovely view of the the Great Sphinx and the pyramids and stuff. It's what the Egyptians would have wanted: <laughs> some Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> or a Big Mac. Well, Alexandria is more of a Mediterranean city um, in ancient Egypt. Founded by Alexander the Great in 331 BCE. I was talking about this with David right, the other day about, I used to think it was just BC and AD, but then that's more biblical, isn't it? Yeah. So I was like, well, what does CE stand for? And he goes, common era. Thought, All right. So does that mean that's the equivalent to AD? And then BCE is before the common era. So instead of before Christ. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess that's a better way of doing it. Because then if you're not a believer in Christ, then you can just call it before the common era, which is better for atheists. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah it would more scientific. be bizarre if you don't believe in Jesus to... <laughs> 
base the dates around when Jesus, and also not really when Jesus was born either, because obviously we now. No, nobody knows when exactly he was born. Oh, nobody knows when he was born, but we know that he wasn't born in December. Like December, January, February time. Yeah, we know that. Mm-hmm. Or That's fact, he had to have been born in one of the other months of the year, therefore. Like, I think he, they said he was more like born in June times. June yeah, times. sure. Like summer. It's a summer baby. Like, it's why he's a hippie. Based on the information that was available, <laughs> it was likely like the middle of June. Yeah, but that would clash with Easter, so they can't have that. that Actually, when did wrong. they kill him? People, most people tend to die on their birthday. Do, do you think the Romans planned it? No, they didn't. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just kill Jesus on his birthday. Hey, so 30, 331 BCE, and it's older. So it was one of the oldest metropolises in the world. It housed the seven wonders, one of the seven wonders of ancient world, which is the lighthouse of Alexandria, but is more commonly known as Pharos of Alexandria. Pharos meaning light, which is basically a giant tower. Obviously, didn't have like a back in ancient times, they didn't have glass and they didn't, well, they did probably have glass, but they didn't have, you know, like the glass panes of technology to do that. Yeah. So it was just basically a giant beacon because they lit a fire at the top, but it was massive. It was so tall that. You, they had like government offices inside it and um what an some, excellent use of space very good very good plan in there well yeah i mean why not and it was also a way of like the pharaoh at the time the greek pharaohs not the ancient egyptian ones to assert their power because uh, it was a port city so there were there were dangerous rocks and things like that so it also meant that he could guide the ship the ships the ships the ships into the port and create a better trade in um trading route um yeah it was the best trading post of the world the peril of the mediterranean that was the nicknames for the city of alexandria and um yeah it was it was, it was one of the most educated places for civilization it had the famous library which unfortunately burnt down so a lot of knowledge was lost and they had the lighthouse now it wasn't situated directly in alexandria it was on a like a little island which doesn't really exist anymore in modern alexandria it had little tunnels that would go like connect you to it so they could get there some pictures describe it as having ramps like a sort of swirly if you think of a what is a work um a slide that goes around Helter Skelter. <laughs> I'm like, think of think of Paul McCartney. Think of the song Helter Manson, Manson Helter my Skelter. Brain that's whirly gig the whole time you were saying <laughs> that. I'm like, I know it's not a whirly gig, but my brain is oh. saying whirly gig. So it looked a bit like a giant Helter Skelter with a, a larger circular structure at the bottom. That was one depiction of it. Which I quite like because I like the idea that you could just run up it, the ramp, but I don't know if it actually looked like that. So it was described as having, well, they said that it could be seen for more than 70 miles. It's mostly built in all directions, it's strongly built in all directions and competes with disguise and heights. This was a description by a Muslim scholar who visited Alexandra in 1165, so it was already quite ancient by then. Uh, it had a height of around 100 to 130 metres, was made of limestone and decorated with white marble, had three floors. Some accounts say that there were government offices on the first floor. Accordingly, the lighthouse was constructed in three stages. The first stage was square, the second was octagonal, and the final level was cylindrical, hence the lighthouse thing. Each section sloped slightly inwards and was accessible by a wide spiral lamp that went ramp, lamp, <laughs> ramp, <laughs> <laughs> fuck it, I can't. 
actually should have brought some water with me, but I didn't. They went all the way to the top, and at the very top, a fire burned throughout the night. They also said that there was a massive statue on the lighthouse, but they don't know what the subject of the statue was. It's kind of unclear. It could have been Alexander the Great, Ptolemy the First, or even Zeus. I don't know. I quite like it to be Zeus, but... I think I think it's probably Ptolemy because if you're going to be the person who's decided to build it, why not put a big statue of yourself on top of it? I would. Would you not? <laughs> would no, you not put like, a giant statue of yourself on every building that you decide to construct? Most, I, I feel like it's more likely for it to be Zeus or Alexander the Great nah. for the same reason. But I feel like if Ptolemy constructed it, he wouldn't put himself on top of it. Why not? He didn't build it. It was his idea. Why would the king build his own lighthouse? He'd get slaves to do that or construction workers. <laughs> Must have took them fucking ages to build, though, because it's like the tallest structure of like the second tallest structure in the ancient world. And you think how tall the Great Pyramid of Giza is? You can imagine how tall that lighthouse would be. <laughs> almost as big as a house. Almost as big as a house or a small pony, according <laughs> to Mark. <laughs> So in the words of this, back to the words of this Muslim scholar, Al-Balawi, in 1165, he says, uh, description of it falls short, the eyes fail to comprehend it, and words are inadequate, so vast as the spectacle. We measured one of its four sides and found, how does he do it? How's he measuring it? We have a big giant, one of those extended measuring tapes back in 11, 1165. How's he measuring it? I don't know. Anyway, he said that they measured its four sides and found it to be more than 50 arms lengths. So he's measuring it with arms. 111 feet, no, 112 feet. It's said that in height is more than 150 kama, which is the height of a man. But how much is the height of a man? I mean, it must vary back then. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit dubious. Its interior is an awe-inspiring sight and its amplitude with stairways and entrances and numerous apartments so that he who penetrates and wanders through its paths very quite sexual there so that he who penetrates and wanders through its passages may be lost in short words fail to give a conception of it so he's like it's so it's so amazing that you just cannot describe it in words so how's that help with your imagination there <laughs> you can use your imagination basically historian believes historians believe that the building's objective may not have been to function as a lighthouse at first there's also no records to explain in detail how the mechanism at the top of the structure i think they just let a big fuck off fire some accounts like the one from Pliny the elder where he described that at night they used a flame that lit up the top of the tower and in consequence the near areas helping ships know where they should go at night another account by al masudi states that during the day well this is this is awesome they used a mirror at the lighthouse to reflect sunlight towards the sea wouldn't that blind people this yeah. made the lighthouse useful during both the day and night aside from gate it makes me think if you're using a reflective mirror wouldn't you be like making a giant laser beam like a yeah, surely make more sense for them to <laughs> not have the mirror pointed at the sea because then if you were sailing you could see the light yeah. massive reflection cast up into the sky and you know that's where the lighthouse was what well, is maybe... it pointing at you it would just blind you it would be it more likely actually to say that they're... oh no they are they're saying they're reflecting the sunlight towards the sea not up in the sky say so you're right mark yeah that would be annoying <laughs> Have you ever been in a car where you're driving and the sun's really low and you can't see a yeah. fucking thing? Well, not That's, where I'm driving, no, but I've been well, in a car. Well, obviously, we both don't drive, but, yeah. you know, as passengers. But I've been in the car with a passenger seat when somebody's driving and the sun's really low and I'm like, how can yeah. you actually drive like this? My sister goes, oh, I can't see a thing. Oh, great. And we're on the motorway. In so, all fairness, yeah, I feel like anyone I've ever said that to, that has been their response where they're like, oh, I can't really see. <laughs> like, oh, okay, go. We'll just see how it goes. 
suppose. So how did the lighthouse of Alexandria disappear then? Well, it's just over time earthquakes, basically. So it disappeared between 956 and 1323 CE. Well, it must have been there at 11... What, 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 uh, why am I hesitating here? Yeah, where was it? Like that 1165, because that guy wouldn't have been able to describe it. So why are they yeah. saying 956? Anyway, I don't know how it works. To 1323 CE. So that, that actually is quite a long time. So it lasted like a thousand years before it gradually disappeared completely. So that's quite a long... But then there you go, the pyramids of Egypt are still here. So it doesn't really work. It's not really that important. Is it compared to that? No. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's a, a tower, pyramid maybe shape it's... is better to build than three shapes on top of the other. Yeah, that's true. A pyramid shape would be a bit, bit more structurally sound yeah. than a giant tower, like the Blackpool Tower or something. Like, oh no, I suppose like Blackpool Tower is on top of a building, so does it really count? Blackpool Tower is almost kind of like it because it's a building with a, is, yeah. like hexagonal metal structure on top of it with a big metal tower on top of that. So basically, they just built a giant Blackpool Tower, except it was made out of like limestone instead of metal. It was the Blackpool Tower. <laughs> Blackpool Pleasure Beach. So it, there were several earthquakes, and they're all these also created tsunamis, which weakened its structure over time. The lighthouse began deteriorating until eventually a part of the tower collapsed completely, and after that, they just abandoned it. So it lasted about a thousand years. It gradually disappeared completely and that's it. Basically, there's nothing really left of it. According to historians, the Lighthouse of Alexandria was built between 280 to 247 BCE. They consider it one of the seven wonders of the ancient world because it was one of the most advanced constructions ever done. It is impressive. Even though it doesn't exist anymore, people believe that the structure had an important role in creating pharos. The Greek term refers to the architectural style in which a building helps direct sailors with the help of a light. They didn't invent the lighthouse, so someone else did. I think it was a Greek guy. I can't remember his name. I would look it up. I'm too lazy. So, listeners, do your own research. Interesting, the Lighthouse of Alexandria was the second highest building built by human hands after the pyramids of Giza. Well, I could, some people would argue that the, the pyramids weren't built by human hands, but it was aliens that did it. Some people definitely would argue that. I might be. That sounded like I would, I wouldn't. But. I, would. <laughs> I just always think of like Stargate. I think like, oh, that's a really clever idea. And I genuinely think that that's why they were built. They were just big docking stations for pyramid-shaped spaceship. Remember when it like, covered the pyramids because it landed yes. on it? I think that, that makes total sense. Which only adds to how outstanding the construction of Lighthouse was. The Lighthouse was also uh, an influence on minaret constructions, which would come on later on. It became so prominent to the point where there were similar pharos all along the harbours of the Mediterranean Sea. So the original term pharos was originally a small island on the coast of the Nile Delta, opposite the peninsula where Alexander the Great founded Alexandria. And Alexander the Great is so egotistical that everywhere he went, he had no imagination. He just named everything Alexandria or some various form of his name, like Alex Land, Alex Town, Alexandria. It's like those people that call all of their children after themselves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mark Jr. Mark Jr. I mean, like calling one of your children after yourself is like a bit Mark- mad. But yeah, calling. Yeah, they're all they're Mark. Like, this is Mark, this is Marsha, this is Wee Mark, and this is Marcy. <laughs> <Wee Mark>. like, <laughs> what? <laughs> a tunnel called the Hep- Heptas- 
Tastadian later connected these two locations. It had the Great Harbour towards the tunnel's eastern side and Eunostos port on the western side. You could also find the lighthouse standing on the easternmost point of the island. Nowadays, neither the Heptastadion or the lighthouse of Alexandra is still standing. The modern city's expansion helped the destruction of the tunnel and most of the island of Pharos has disappeared. Only the Raz El Tin area where the homonymous palace is remains and that's really about it about the historical ancient lighthouse of Alexandria I mean there's not really any like spooky stories about it or anything like that it was just like just to kick it off with an example of an ancient lighthouse there you Still, are. Um, I will count it as mythological well it's kind of because it's, they're old enough that makes them mythological it did it, it, like eventually it, it did disappear into myth because no one actually knows what it looks like and I'm sure they probably would have had blueprints or records of it but because the fucking Alexandria Library burnt down that's lost in time forever and it's not like they had photographs back then obviously unless aliens came to visit <laughs> I've never been to Alexandria I'd quite like to go it's more of a Mediterranean side of Egypt yeah. than sort of Arab Egypt but I, I don't know it looks lovely and there's various temples that I'd like to visit there. Maybe one day I'll go back. I imagine it would be uh, very interesting. Yeah, I think it will. So what have you got? Have you ever been in a lighthouse? I don't think I ever have. Mm, I don't think I have either, no. I think I should go up a lighthouse. I think it'd be quite fun. But there's not very a lot of them. There's not a lot of them left. And I think you have to go up quite far north in Scotland anyway, at least to go up one. There's one in Ireland. There's one in Wales. And there's quite there's a lot one, in America. Fact, I I've, like, I've never been in one. There's one, but I've never been in the actual lighthouse. There's one I'm here. And the bottom of it's like a little uh, like craft studio shop. Oh, so I've been in... Why didn't you take me there the last time I visited? <laughs> I do apologise. How dare you? I need to come down then. You, we go, we'll both go up the lighthouse together then. Is it a natural lighthouse? Well, I don't know if you can go up the lighthouse though. That was what I was, that's why I went, started giving an answer and then trailed massively off. Oh. I've never seen anything that implies that you can go up into the lighthouse and it's not a working lighthouse anymore. A lot of them are just automated now. They don't have lighthouse keepers. Which we'll go on to discuss because, um, yeah, a lot of lighthouse keepers ended up going mental. But, uh, and there's a reason. And there's a there's a story about how many lighthouse keepers that there needed to be, um, as a, because there was an incident with like a horrible incident, which I'm going to tell you about. Have you got anything you want to, or shall I just go into it? No, you do that. I'll do mine later. Right. Okay. So one of the worst things that happened to this, uh, this like. It was back in the... I'll need to find the story because I, I, I don't know by heart. Yeah, here it is here. Okay, so there was a lighthouse called the original Smalls Lighthouse and it was erected in 1775. <laughs> Sorry, I'm already entertained oh. just because it sounds like a hip-hop artist. The original Smalls! The original Smalls <laughs> Lighthouse. <laughs> that is good. It was erected in 1775, uh, between 75 and 76 in the 18th century. It was designed by a bunch of scousers uh, from a Liverpool manufacturer of musical instruments, which is a bit weird. Mm. You think you wouldn't think that people who design musical, musical instruments would also design lighthouses, but... No, my brain doesn't go harps lighthouse. But... Hey, but they called it the original Smalls Lighthouse, so I guess it is a musical Yeah, day. that's true. <laughs> Hip-hop in the 18th century, who knew? The lighthouse stood on an islet near the tip of a remote peninsula in Pembrokeshire, Wales. It was replaced in 1861 
so that the original one I'm going to be talking about doesn't is was replaced in 1861, which still stands there. So you can visit it, but it's not the one where all this shit happened. So in 1801, it was already aging by then, and it was manned by just two keepers whose name were Thomas Griffith and Thomas Howe. Two Toms. We're <laughs> calling them two Toms. The keepers were well known to have difficulties with one another, as in they couldn't stand each other. And they were frequently bickering and threatening each other with bodily harm. <laughs> I mean, sounds like it sounds like, you know, the, the chewing the fat sketch where you get the lighthouse keepers and one of them's just always pranking the other one and winding yes. them up. And all you can say is just going to know do that. How? Just going to know because the reason is you can't exactly murder them because he's stuck. This is why this makes it the, the sketch makes a lot more sense when you think about it. When I tell you this story, so they hated each other. They were like stuck living together. They were alone in the lighthouse in 1801 when Griffith was killed in an accident. So Tom Thomas Griffith, the other one's called Howell, remember? So Howell was like, oh shit, what the fuck am I going to do with it with this other Tom? Because if I dispose his body by flinging it in the sea, I can't do that because then people suspect me of murdering him because they know we hate each other. How did they know they hated each other? I don't know. Did they write to their, maybe they wrote to their family and went, I fucking can't stand this cunt Tom. (laughs) The way he he breathes at night, I want to kill him. Something (laughs) like that. He stinks. (laughs) I hate the way his eyes look. So he constructed, so he was like, I can't do that because people think I murdered him. So what am I going to do? So what he did was he decided to create a makeshift coffin, place Tom's body in it, and then tie it to a rock outside his his keeper's house. So the keeper's house is opposite the lighthouse itself, so it's separate. And for the rest of the winter, Howell had to maintain the beacon himself. So he's there weeks and weeks on end, like months on end, by himself, isolated. I was like, what would you do? Because when do people come to like relieve you of your shift? They don't. The only time they'll go is maybe give you some provisions for the winter or something but you're stuck there by yourself and if one of you die then what you're stuck with a corpse you didn't want to have you couldn't exactly leave the corpse in the lighthouse where he no. was manning it because it would be stinking so he, he, he just put him in a box and tied him to the rocks outside his house and then he went mental right because the winds and waves dashed the coffin that he tied to the the lighthouse keeper's house to pieces so eventually exposed Tom's body so it was visible from the keeper's house window as the surf rocked the remnants of the coffin Tom's body rocked with it so it looked like his arm was waving back and forth as if calling for someone to come over and and Howell had to greet he was greeted with that sight whenever he glanced out the window so every day he had to look outside the window and see the corpse of the guy that he couldn't stand waving at him which, which would have eventually turned him mental but he still managed to keep the lighthouse going after all that time uh, the time yeah by the time he was relieved at the lighthouse he was near gibbering and his friends ashore were unable to recognize him a man of completely broken mind he'd managed to keep the beacon lighted throughout his period manning the lighthouse alone the british authorities mandated after this incident that all lighthouse teams henceforth were to be free men rather than two which remained in effect until the 1980s when automation took over the operation of lighthouses and United Kingdom so it ended up a threesome you had to be in a threesome to man their lighthouse but then what <laughs> I like the idea that, that that's what the advert said like are you interested in working in British lighthouses are you part of a thruple <laughs> yeah you must be able to get on with each other. Yeah. 
seeking polyamorous couples to come and live in a lighthouse. Either sex, who cares? Must I mean, I bet if just a couple couple yeah. went to live in a lighthouse, you would end up wanting to kill each other. If it was a proper someone... remote lighthouse. I really want to watch that film, The Lighthouse, with Robert Patterson and Willem Dafoe now. I've never seen it either, and I also want to watch it. Yeah, we should we should have watched I feel like we should have watched that movie before we did this podcast, but yeah. maybe it would have shed a little bit more light on living together in a lighthouse. But then those guys um, in Scotland that disappeared weirdly there was obviously there was three of them but none of them were found so i don't know if that would have you know would have worked I'm trying but to find. i suppose except in that instance it does make more sense well because if there's it just makes more sense to have three of you than two of you except in that one instance where everyone vanished because if one of you dies there's still two people there Mm, but as well yeah. as you vanish then there's no people there but that's true but then you can still kill the two others i think the film that i watched with jedder butler i think it was peter mullen as well i can't remember who the younger one it might have been jamie bell or maybe making it up but i think there was something to do with treasure he'd found and they were fighting over who gets the treasure peter mullen was anyway his character or was it jedder butler oh fuck knows right well this is the story I, I, I mean if you've heard it in our previous podcast i apologize but i'm just going to remind you all of what happened and then maybe it'll jog Mark's memory. So on the Flannel Islands, which lies in the Outer Hebrides, now that's the very, very top of Scotland. We've talked about it before, about how it's been closer to Norway than it is actual Scotland mainland. Among them lies, I, I think it's called Eileen Moore. Forgive me if I for, I've pronounced that wrong. I'm not really good on Gaelic for my shame. Uh, where you'll find a remote lighthouse. It's at the centre of one of the oddest lighthouse legends in the British Isles. So supernatural goings on appear in the history of the islands where the, the lighthouse was built. Before we ever reached the lighthouse, St. Flannan was a 6th century well, St. Flannan was a 6th century Irish bishop and he once built a chapel on this island. Shepherds would let their sheep graze on the island but they never spent the night there because spirits apparently haunted the spot and they didn't want to encounter them as you would fairly yeah yeah but then they must have knew there were spirits there because then someone must have seen them and that triggered them not to stay the night unless they just heard rumors and then just thought oh, i don't even want to, want to see that on the 26th of december so boxing day 1900 Captain James Harvey took Joseph Moore to the lighthouse. They'd had reports that the light had gone out on the 15th of December. So how many days is that between the 15th and the 26th? A few weeks? A couple of weeks? Uh, I don't know. 11. So yeah. just so nearly, nearly two, two weeks. weeks. Right. So something in those two weeks happened that the light the light had gone out on the 15th of December. So it must have happened before then. They drew near in their vessel, yet no one waited for them on the landing platform which is what the lighthouse keepers would normally do. Captain Harvey blew his horn <laughs> and even fired a flare to let the keepers know they'd arrived. We're like, hey, we're here. Moore left the ship and climbed the steps to the lighthouse. He later described feelings of foreboding as he did so. Moore reached the lighthouse and discovered that the door was unlocked. Only one coat hung in the entrance hall when there should have been three. He found half-eaten food and an upturned chair in the kitchen, the clock had stopped. So to my mind, what do you think happened there? If you were Captain Moore and you went in there and you seen that, what would you think in your head if you reconstruct what you think might have happened there? I, I would be thinking, well, there's an upturned chair, there's only one coat, so two of them must have went out and maybe they had the fight or a scuffle or something. I'm going to call them Greg, Steve and Tony. And I'm <laughs> going to guess that Greg and Steve got ready to go out 
and then Greg went out mm. and then Steve and Tony who didn't get along at all Tony was eating his breakfast they started having an argument and Steve was like no nah, I've had enough of this and grabbed Tony out of the chair knocked the chair over smashed him into the clock that stopped it killed nice. Tony and then stormed out stormed out and then realised that when Greg got back and found Tony yeah. that he contact the authorities the authorities so he right. threw Greg into the sea oh, that's a good and then theory. Steve threw himself into the sea he threw himself into the sea Right, so he couldn't find them anywhere in the lighthouse after looking for them. Captain Harvey ordered a search of the islands, yet the missing van had just simply vanished. They were, there was no trace of them anywhere. According to the signs in the lighthouse, they must have been gone for about a week. Only the lighthouse log seemed to yield any clues. One entry on the 12th of December, so that's like three days, no, two days before the light went out, described horrific winds, the quiet mood of the principal keeper, and that an assistant had been crying. So I think the younger one was crying for some reason. I don't know why. The other one was in a quiet mood, which is never good if you're quiet. Seems like he's planning something. And maybe they had, like, maybe you're right, they they, they had an argument and the assistant younger one was crying because he was scared of the principal one. I don't know, I'm just conjecturing here. (laughs) The log continued to speak of a violent storm, although they were quite safe in the new lighthouse and no one reported any storms in that area until 17th of December. Okay, so there was no storms in the area until the 17th of December. So he said that on the 12th there was horrific winds, but then between that and the 17th it was quite calm. No one could work out why William MacArthur, one of the keepers, that's his name, had gone outside, Bill, Yeah, without his oilskin coat, especially in December well some people just like sometimes I cut about outside without a coat on and it's freezing because I don't really feel the cold that much the rules forbade all three to leave the posts together yeah so they always had to have someone in the lighthouse to man it at all times so they weren't allowed to all leave at once because then if something happened to all three of them obviously there would be no one there to man the lighthouse uh, eventually the investigation concluded that they'd been trying to retrieve a supply crate when a wave washed them out to sea. The smashed open supply box on the western landing platform seemed to explain it. It seemed two of the keepers had gone out and when they didn't return, MacArthur had ventured out. But this explanation didn't cover why he went out without his coat, why no bodies ever washed ashore and why there were any waves and why there were any waves on a sea that was calm. So was, the sea was calm at that point. Yeah. That, they're claiming that a wave sense, brought them. Yeah. Nor did it explain the logbook entry from the 15th of December saying the storm had passed. There was no mention of any keepers being swept out to sea. So the accident must have happened after someone wrote the entry. But if that was the case, then a wave couldn't have swept them off the rock on a calm sea. <laughs> so it doesn't make any sense. Other theories about it. So loads of people, like obviously if you don't know what happened, loads of people come up with their own theories and stories and conspiracies about it. Some thought they'd left the island to avoid repaying debt. Others thought they'd been kidnapped by spies or eaten by a sea serpent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, that's that makes sense. Another story saw them kidnapped by that it gets worse. Another story saw them kidnapped by a ghost ship skeletal crew. Quite like that one. It's like a Pirates of the Caribbean. Since then, keepers have reported hearing voices in the winds, like other keepers after their departure. They were looking after the lighthouse, were hearing voices. So is it like a David Lynch film where like Josie from season one ends up in a wooden knob of a drawer? Or the uh, part of the wind? Who knows? A guy called Mike Dash did his own investigation and found the logbook entries might have been a red herring. They only appeared in the story set 
several years later, Dash discovered there was no evidence that these logs ever existed. So someone, so he he theorizes that the logs were just made up by someone else later on to cover up the, what happened to them. But then what would have happened to them Who that knows? would cause their employers to cover up? Like I don't know. Maybe they don't want a scandal like... coming out and to put off more lighthouse keepers coming there. They want to come up with some sort of like logical explanation so that other lighthouse keepers would say, well, fuck that, I'm not going there if there's some weird shit going on. It might mm. happen to me. That's my theory anyway. Some think that MacArthur started a fight which is what you said, and yep. all three fell to their deaths. Like, or in your case, they, he threw himself in the sea. But then he would have found his body. So yeah, I don't think that someone would have found it. Like with one of them in. Oh my god! Like... It actually says here others think he killed the other two and threw himself into the sea. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but without evidence of a fight or a murder, this remains one of the eeriest lighthouse legends. So there is no explanation. Of course, there's the aliens one that they were about to buy. <laughs> maybe they, maybe they slipped into another dimension. Maybe. Yes, Mindy. Who knows? But it is really weird. I want to go to it. I want to visit the light. I don't know if it's still is it still there. I've no idea, but it's really interesting. No, it is still there because there's a picture of the. They used to have a little railway. That's weird. They had a wee railway that would um, take them up to the lighthouse because it was up a, a big hill up a. Uh, yeah, railways and there were steps as well. I would hate to be stuck in a lighthouse for for months on end, especially yeah. with people you hate. I mean, I went on a holiday with one of my friends, and I, by the end of it, I wanted to fucking throw her in the sea because <laughs> I actually couldn't stand her. So, I mean, that's on holiday in Ibiza. I mean, stuck in a lighthouse. Yeah, with like no and no yeah. possibility of communicating with any other humans. Yeah. Or really going anywhere else. Exactly. All right, well, do tell us about your lighthouse story, Mark. We get to hear it. Okay, I will. Uh, so I looked at Point Lookout Lighthouse. Point Lookout, where's that? It's in Scotland, but not Ooh. Scotland here. Scotland and Maryland. How dare they <laughs> take our, our <laughs> Scottish name? Maryland. I think uh, the Scottish settlers from Maryland settled in Scotland. So uh, I think they just I swear called, that it, they called it Scotland. I suppose, yeah. yeah. Let's just call it Scotland and pretend we're there. Okay, so in Maryland, there's a place called Scotland. I mean, usually they name places after cities in Scotland, like, you know, Glasgow, Edinburgh, yeah. Aberdeen. Or they call but it New. Scot- yeah. Like New Scotland or, yeah, Aberdeen would make sense. But Caledonia. no, they call it Scotland. Oh, okay. Well, that's confusing. Scotland, Maryland, who knew? Okay, okay. What's, what's going on there? What's happening? So Is it was about a- in 1830 because uh, at Point Lookout, Basically, there's a big state park and there have been kind of like um, holiday cottages built there. What, and 18? lots of people would arrive by boat to go to the holiday cottages during the summer. Right. From like all over the rest of the state. So okay. they built it in 1830 to make sure that if any of the boats were arriving at night, it was safer. Oh, OK. For the tourists coming over. Yeah. Right. So then it was really busy for about 30 years. And then in 1861, the Civil War broke out. Yeah. So obviously very few people in the United States were going on holiday at that point in time. Because <laughs> they were too busy getting blasted by cannons in the battlefield. Yeah. Although I know this sounds crazy because like why would holidays uh-huh. not used to have existed? But when it was like in 1830s going on holiday, I thought I didn't, I didn't really think of people going on their holiday in 1830. Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think people like, well, rich people probably would, but like... Yeah. Working class people didn't really even no. have holidays. They were worked basically to death, but they weren't even. They didn't even have the right to have any time off. I suppose nothing really changes in America because that's not to be. They don't actually have the right to have a vacation, or they do, but they're not allowed to take them, or they don't really get many holidays, which actually really confuses the hell out of me. But anyway, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, and that's interesting. Yeah. I imagine but it probably richer people. Uh, yeah, I imagine, especially if they're arriving by like private boats and stuff. I'm yeah. guessing that's probably quite wealthy people. Probably wealthy. Um, but yeah, so then that stops. There's not really any sort of 
holiday visitors uh-huh. from 1861 because of the Civil War. Uh-huh. So just before the Civil War broke out, because it was such a popular holiday spot, they'd obviously started to get more people in the area than were there previously. So they started to build a new hospital right next to the lighthouse. I mean, it's not an isolated lighthouse, is it? It's not like your typical lighthouse in Britain where it's on the top of a, a really isolated islet or an island or a peninsula or something. It's, I think a lot of the American lighthouses are quite like near to populated areas. Yeah. So they're not completely cut off it's okay. uh, capitalism like they're oh, about right. for the purpose of attracting in tourists rather than right. don't drown um, yeah american way <laughs> so they built this hospital but then obviously the war breaks out so they built a prisoner of war camp so basically the prisoner of war camp that they built in maryland for possible confederate prisoners they built in between the lighthouse and the new hospital i thought you were saying confetti prisoners so. <laughs> <laughs> prisoners made of confetti <laughs> Yeah, the Confederates, right? The baddies, I suppose they're the baddies, aren't they, in the Civil War? They are. Yeah, fuck them. Okay, so they built a POW camp. You basically walk, like, if you were the lighthouse keeper, if you walked out the door of the lighthouse, Mm. which, so the lighthouse keeper's house was contained in the lighthouse, so also not like the British ones we're talking about. So you would walk out the door, and you would basically walk out the door and be in the prisoner of war camp. And then you could walk through the prisoner war camp and be in the hospital. Wow, what a lovely holiday time. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing people's so, limbs getting cut off and shit. And dysentery, probably. The prisoner of war camp was built to hold about a maximum of 5,000 prisoners of war at a time. Wow, which a you would lot. assume would be more than enough. But actually, at most points, while well, it was open, it was had 20,000 prisoners right. of war at a time. That's definitely going to cause problems with disease. Yeah, uh, so exactly that. So experts believe that in the period of time that it was used as a prisoner of war camp, 53,000 or thereabouts prisoners would have been held there altogether. And dysentery, typhoid and titus yeah. were rife. Of course, of course it was. And gangrene and all sorts of shit. Okay. Also, other than the doctor's house, which was in the hospital, and the lighthouse keeper's house, which was in the lighthouse, there was no actual proper living areas built. So the majority of the prisoners of war had to sleep outside in the dark. Oh, I don't know why I'm laughing at that. (laughs) It was the way you said it. It was the way you said it. Sorry. I don't know what you made that sound really jolly. (laughs) To be fair, I did make it sound like it was like, oh, it's your turn to sleep outside tonight under the stars. Uh, But sadly, the weather was horrific and it was cold. So actually, in the time that it was open, they estimate that just over 5,000 people died as a result of having to sleep on the muddy ground outside the lighthouse. Where are they going to put all the bodies? Are you just going to float and eat them in the sea? I don't actually know. There's not, because the hospital wasn't able to, all I know is that the hospital wasn't able to deal with the number of bodies. Yeah, so I don't know where the bodies were going. Mm, that's a lot of corpses. So yeah, Tie obviously the there's a lot of corpses there, and have them wave. <laughs> ne- never a good way to uh, to start if you're not wanting a haunted lighthouse. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be haunted as fuck. And then in 1878, a steamboat was coming in towards the hospital and there was an issue with the lighthouse and the lights stopped working and the steamboat came up on the rocks just in front of the lighthouse everyone on board died except for one crew member joe hanny who climbed out onto the rocks in an attempt to reach the lighthouse but he drowned on the way there I don't understand how they know when everyone else was dead that Joe Hanny was attempting to reach the lighthouse on the rocks 
I'm assuming people must have seen him. Well, maybe he swam, got as far as the rocks, was exhausted, collapsed on the rocks and then drowned when the waves hit him or rose with the tide. Yeah, he did drown when the waves hit him on the rocks, he drowned and then his right, body washed up. Uh, again, where all the other dead bodies were, so was, um, as high tide came and his body washed up onto the beach just by mm-hmm. the lighthouse door. Imagine being that lighthouse keeper. Like, you look to the, the other side, there's just, like, loads of prisoners dying in the dysentery. Then you look out to sea, and then there's, like, <laughs> people crashing on your rocks. Yeah. You're not doing your job right, and you're stuck there. I'm <laughs> so depressed. So it may blow your mind to learn that uh, people think there's a lot of ghosts running around this yeah, lighthouse. it probably is. There's quite a lot of different haunted lighthouses in America that I was reading about. Um, there was one where uh, one of the lighthouse keepers went out because they were pilots as well. They acted as pilots for ships to help them come into shore. And this pi- this one lighthouse keeper went out thinking that they needed a pilot, but it turned out they, they were fine. So he had to go back, but it was quite stormy. So then his, his boat crashed and he died and drowned. And then the, the next family that took over, they ended up going out to sea as well. I think to get some... I'll find it and I'll give you more details about it. But yeah, well, what happens with your story? Is that it? It was just really haunted. Uh, no, I'll tell you about the hauntings. Well, yeah. some of them. Okay. Um, okay. So we've got the ghost of Anne Davis, who's the like their most famous ghost at the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. So she was the first resident of the lighthouse along with her husband. And yep. basically just people regularly see her. So people are always like, who's that woman on the stairs? Um, and it's Anne. So she's seen regularly by both residents of the house and visitors to the house. Most of the people who have kept the lighthouse since the Davies passed on, I've seen her at some point in time. She's normally seen wearing a long blue skirt and a white blouse and is normally at the top of the main staircase as you enter the lighthouse. So like not the staircase to actually go up to the lighthouse, but the staircase up to the second floor of the house where the lighthouse keeper's bedrooms would be so basically people see her there all the time out the corner of their eye and are like oh that's weird i just saw this woman and then she was gone and people are like oh that's Anne. she's right she's never moved out so she's not quite terrifying compared to all the <laughs> the horrific deaths that were going on around about her but she did die there uh, many residents of the lighthouse have also reported hearing a knock at the door in the middle of the night opening the door to see a huge puddle but nothing uh but in one case a man who was staying at the house at the lighthouse said that he saw a large puddle with a trail of small puddles leading away from it reflected in the moonlight and that these led down to the beach where he could see a soaked man dressed in 1870s clothing and the man basically staggered offshore into the sea but he was unable to find him and people believe that this is the ghost of Johanny, who was obviously trying to reach right. the lighthouse like mm. that basically every couple of nights he does reach the lighthouse but sadly, he's already They're dead. Bastard. <laughs> but sadly, he's bastard. <laughs> <laughs> One of the lighthouse keepers, Laura Berg, lived in the lighthouse in the early 1980s. And she said that she definitely thought it was haunted. She was interviewed in the year 2000 and said, I often heard footsteps walking outside of my bedroom door up and down over and over again. This happened the first night I stayed there. And my immediate thought was, well, I guess this place is haunted, but I'm not going to be scared out of my home. Um, She would hear footsteps all the time. Things would get moved around. And she said that the guest room in the house, which was one of the three lighthouse keepers bedrooms, but obviously 
by the time she was staying there, she was just staying in one bedroom. So she said the one that she used as a guest room often filled with a strong odour, always at sunset, and it smelled like a dead body, which is um, lovely. How does she know what a dead body smells like? I don't know what a dead body smells like. Or do you I just know? Either, but Laura apparently did. Oh, okay. She said that she would always clean the room, scrub it with different oils. <laughs> but she said it was in her view it was clearly a haunted smell because it wouldn't it would just appear at sunset and then be gone a couple hours later. You would never smell it during the day and it didn't matter how much she cleaned, the sun would set and there would just suddenly be this stench of death in the room. Yeah. I mean, the place was choking with death back in the day. She was yeah, just I mean, surrounded by death. Horror. Yeah, that's a horrific lighthouse. I found the um, story about the lighthouse I was talking about. And it, it, Benjamin, Benjamin Franklin apparently wrote a ballad about it called The Lighthouse Tragedy at the age of 12. Ooh. Ooh, fancy. But nobody, actu- nobody actually knows what, what it consisted of because it, was, it wasn't found. It was only a fragment of it. When he was a boy in Boston, an incident occurred at... Boston Light, which was located in a harbour on an island called Beacon Island, now known as Little Brewster Island. There was a guy called George Worthy Lake, I like the name Worthy Lake, and he held, I mean of course he's called Worthy Lake and he holds the position of harbour master. He was destined for it. His duties entailed serving as pilot for ships entering the harbour and maintaining the beacon atop the Boston Light. Worthy Lake lived on Beacon Island with his family and he travelled to Boston for shopping and other errands via a small sloop provided for the purpose, as well as to serve as a pilot boat. So he had his own boat. On November 3rd, 1718, Worthy Lake, his wife and daughter, a servant, a slave and a guest were drowned near Beacon Island while returning to the island following church services in Boston. Dutifully interred by the citizens of Boston, Worthy Lake was then replaced in the role of harbour master by a man named Robert Saunders. Saunders' position was a temporary one, pending selection of a permanent replacement by the General Assembly. So on November 14th, Saunders ventured out to meet an incoming ship, and upon learning that the vessel's master did not require the services of a pilot, he attempted to return back to Beacon Island. But there was heavy seas and contrary winds overwhelmed his craft, and Saunders drowned in the chill of Boston waters. Of Boston Harbour. <laughs> now I know that's not funny, but, that's funny. <laughs> but I feel they should have a better thing in place than like when you see a ship approaching, off you go in your wee with like rickety yeah, rafts yeah. and see what's yeah. going on. Do you need you'll be like, oh, do you need a pilot, mate? No, nah, we don't, thanks. Oh fuck, I better go back. Oh no, yeah. that's true. <laughs> There should be some sort of signal if you need a pilot, then you flash a light or something. Or you can even be like, do you need a pirate? A a pilot, sorry, a pilot. No. (laughs) Do you mind if I come on board anyway? Because uh, as you can see, I'm in an apple cart, so (laughs) not really suitable to be out in the seas. The drownings were reported in the Boston newsletter and the young Franklin was inspired to write his ballad. In the autobiography, Franklin described the ballad as wretched stuff, but he printed it on broadsheet and sold it in the streets of Boston and sold well. So, yeah, he's making money out of these people's deaths. <laughs> what a ghoul. The Worthy Lake family was interred beneath a triple headstone in Boston's Cophill burying ground, which is still there today. Uh, well, there you are then. There you are indeed. People drowning. Um, There's quite a few different <laughs> stories about, well, these ones captured my imagination and there are American ones as well. There was, and I've heard this before, I think it was on Ghost Adventures, they went to this um, this lighthouse where this woman lived with her husband. Um, And I don't know what to think about it because in the one way I think, aye, good on you girl, but then in another 
her, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe she's a bit of a psychopath and I shouldn't really um, cheer her on. But, I mean, tell me what you think of this incident. Okay. Right, so this lighthouse is called the Pensacola Lighthouse and it stands on a tropical beach with a breathtaking view, but it includes a sinister story. So there's a woman called Michaela Penabel, Pino Bear. It's spelled P-E-N-A-L-B-E-R. I don't know how you would say Penis Bear. Yeah, (laughs) Michaela Penis Bear. She married the man of her dreams, Jeremiah Ingram, and merrily moved into the lighthouse. Not long after, it was completed in 1826. They had a wonderful union, but strangely the couple's marriage turned sour almost overnight. A sudden turbulence came to a head when Michaela stabbed her husband to death one evening in 1840 for seemingly no reason. Didn't see it going that way, but okay. She was never convicted for the murder because she's a woman and the lack of evidence and lived out the rest of her days in the lighthouse until she died in 1855. Even in the afterlife, it seems that Michaela's violent streak lives on. Visitors have reported objects being thrown at them while they walked through the living area where Michaela and her unlucky husband stayed, and large bloodstains were still visible on the floor before the lighthouse was renovated. A local resident stated that he had once tried to wash the blood off, but it would just reappear time and time again. Chillingly, some visitors have heard breathing behind them and sensed the presence following them while taking the staircase to the lighthouse tower. Now, my theory is that Michaela married this guy, right, and was actually genuinely happy with him and everything. But then there's something about a lighthouse that drives you mental. And I think this lighthouse took hold of her and told her to kill her husband so that she would be the keeper of the lighthouse. And do you know what it was I imagine similar here? but less possessy in my head. It oh. was just that maybe it was like a bit annoying, but she was fine with it. But then they moved to the lighthouse and they were just trapped in together all the time. And like yeah. every time you finish the sentence, you went at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and after a short time of that happening, she was like, no, I need to beat you to death now. No, she stabbed him. She fucking, she, she shoved him to death. Because he went, well, <laughs> Michaela, stop stabbing me. That was his last words. She's like, brilliant. I can be an independent woman and live in the lighthouse the rest of my days without having to listen to his bit. That's a good one. I enjoyed that. Here's everyone I've got here. There's quite a few of these. Uh, No, because they're British ones. There's one called the Souter Lighthouse, which was constructed in 1871 on Lizard Point, Marsden, in Northern England. The visibility from Lizard Point was very good as its cliffs are higher than those at nearby Souter Point. But the lighthouse was named after Souter, so it wouldn't be confused with the Lizard Lighthouse in Cornwall. Okay. (laughs) It was built to be a solution to the many shipwrecks that occurred on the reefs underneath the shallow water. And while it has certainly been just that, it is also now known as one of the most haunted lighthouses in the UK. Now, I don't know if I believe this because Derek Ikora was involved. <laughs> we spoke <laughs> about him before. It, um... Do, yeah. Less realistic. yeah, legend has it that the niece of the famed Grey Starling. So Grey Starling was famous for heroically getting out on her rickety old lifeboat to help some sailors that were stranded at sea and she was only like a teenager at the time um everyone's heard the story so this was isabella who was her niece and she's a ghost apparently that haunts suter lighthouse she's known for uh it's not clear why she haunts the lighthouse but census records do prove that she lived there in 1881 well why would you not maybe she liked it there so she stayed there yeah i don't think it's sinister lighthouse staff have reported spoons floating in midair unexpected 
explain temperature drops and even physical interaction with some staff members who say they were pulled or grabbed by an unseen hand. Some visitors have even heard their names called by a female voice and others have heard crying and seen the apparition of a young girl assumed to be Isabella. But she isn't the only ghost to haunt the Suter Lighthouse. Another story tells of a lighthouse waitress, a waitress, who was walking down the kitchen corridor one evening when she stopped dead in her tracks. Oh, well, maybe they had a cafe there attached to the lighthouse. Right. She's not the ghost. Standing at the edge of the end of the passage, there was a man wearing a lighthouse keeper uniform. Imagine he looked at her and did a wee wink when I nod, a nod and a wink at her. Disappeared before her eyes, leaving only the faint scent of tobacco in the air. Yeah, Derek Okora said that he connected with Isabella when he went there with Most Haunted. I highly doubt that he did. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining <laughs> riding on the floor going like, I've connected with Isabella. I've connected with her. She has dick. Because <laughs> that basically is all he says about any ghosts. Yeah, she loves Isabella dick. loves dick. <laughs> she lives in a giant dick and she loves dick. <laughs> There's one also called the Boone Island Lighthouse, and it also has a spooky and tragic tale. It has seen numerous shipwrecks and other tragedies, but one story revolves around a woman named Kathleen Bright. In the mid-1800s, Kathleen became the blushing bride, see another bride, of a lighthouse keeper at Boone Island. She relocated to the lighthouse with her new husband shortly after a wedding for what surely she thought would be happily ever after. I think we know where this is going. So she doesn't murder him, by the way, that's, that's a spoiler. No, From there, no, one version of the legendary tale states that the lighthouse keeper became ill after only a few short months. Did she poison him? Who knows? His wife looked after him tirelessly, even when a terrifying storm struck, but he passed away while the storm raged on. In her state of shock, Kathleen climbed the 168 steps in the lighthouse almost nonstop for five days to tend to the light. See, I could have just stopped there and said... She just did it for five days for no reason. But she actually did claim she had to do her job, like his job, basically. Not that she just did it because she went mental. During this time, she didn't eat and she hardly slept. On the sixth day, the light was dead. Locals hurried to the island to investigate and found Kathleen wandering around aimlessly. She was starved, exhausted and out of her mind with grief. Another version states that the keeper drowned after he fell from the rocks while trying to tie up the island's boat. Fine. Kathleen pulled him from the water and dragged him all the way back to the lighthouse where she left his lifeless body at the bottom of the staircase. She proceeded to tend to the light for five days without eating or sleeping and when locals found her on the sixth day she was sitting at the bottom of the step holding her husband's dead body. She was taken away to be cared for by locals but she died shortly thereafter. Her spirit has allegedly been seen by scores of local fishermen and lighthouse visitors who have reported a white apparition of a sad young woman. Many have also reported hearing a terrible wail coming from the lighthouse at night. I would say that would just be the wind and during stormy weather. A Coast Guard lighthouse keeper stated that his dog chased a mysterious invisible entity all around the small island. Another two lighthouse keepers were shaken up when they saw the light come on inside the lighthouse when they were both outside and no one else was on the island. Did she kill her husband, though, Mark? That's the question. Mm, no, I don't think she did in that one. Oh, OK. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's another one. Um, there's about a new London Ledge lighthouse in 1939. So it's not a 19th century one. It's more of a 21st century one more contemporary. So the US Coast Guard began taking shifts at the new London Ledge Lighthouse in 1949, but not long after spooky things started spooky things started happening there. Legend has it that a lighthouse keeper by the name of Ernie 
jumped from the roof of the lighthouse to the ocean below where his body never resurfaced. Many people don't believe he killed himself, but the official story is that he cut his own throat with a fishing knife. No. Ernie. Not <laughs> Ernie. What? Ernie. <laughs> no, not Ernie. Oh, for Ernie. He allegedly refused to leave the lighthouse. His spirit frightened and annoyed the crew from the Coast Guard by making loud knocking sounds at night, pulling the bedding off them while they were sleeping. Oh, Ernie. And turning the television set on and off. What a joke. Some of the keepers didn't even wait until daylight to get away from the lighthouse, calling the mainland and asking to be fetched from the place immediately because Ernie was being an annoying bastard. After the lighthouse was automated in 1987, several reports filtered in from boat crews that a figure at the lighthouse has signalled to them or tried to lure them to the dock. I suspect he just he's lonely and he wants to play more pranks on people. However, whenever these reports were investigated, not a living soul was found in the lighthouse. That's a shame. Ernie's probably lonely now that it's automated. He's got no one yeah, to annoy. Someone else. I feel sorry for him. Their throat, so he has someone to hang about with. Yeah, definitely. There's so many stories about uh, lighthouses. It's just really, really fun. Um. Oh, here's a murder one. So there's one called Sagain Island Lighthouse. It was built in 1857, and it's the tallest lighthouse in Maine. So that's Stephen King country. One of its earliest lighthouse keepers lived there, with only the company of his wife for many years i mean at least in america they're allowed to have wives for some weird reason in the uk it was only men that were allowed to live in the lighthouse and it was like yeah you're stuck with three other guys or two other guys if you don't like each other you know a bunch of like three guys living together in a lighthouse that's gonna that's gonna cause trouble eventually unless they're all gay But then they might get jealous of each other, you know, and then they would end up having a cat fight or something. Well, women might as well, but no, because it's probably just a British attitude if women don't belong in a lighthouse because it's too phallic, I guess. No, that doesn't make sense, does it, Mark? <laughs> women are not allowed in big penises. Yeah. <laughs> it, it might corrupt their, their fragile minds because, you know, women in, in the UK didn't have any you know, sexual thoughts or any kind of sexuality. So back to this lighthouse in Maine. One of its earliest lighthouse keepers lived there with only the company of his wife for many years. She was very lonely and took to playing the piano at night to break the silence. Why did her husband not talk to her? Her husband seemingly had no outlet for his own feelings of isolation and loneliness. Would they just not talk to each other? No, he just sat being very sad. Apparently driven to madness, he took an axe and bludgeoned his wife to death before committing suicide. Murder suicides. Many people claim to have heard the ghostly sounds of piano music floating from the lighthouse at night, even though there's no been any piano inside for years. In 1985, a decision was made to decommission the lighthouse and a warrant officer stayed the night to ensure all the furniture and other items of value were packed and put into a boat. I love that story, right? Because he just doesn't give a shit. During the night, the officer woke with a start. The bed he was sleeping in was shaking violently and a voice screamed at him to get out of the building. Right. That's quite that's quite frightening and dramatic. The officer officer wasn't perturbed by the experience at all. He stayed during the night. He still stayed until the next day to pack up all the items he came for and sent the boat on its way. A freak accident caused the boat to sink, never to reach its destination. Oh my God. So the guy, he was like, eh. he just shrugged his shoulders as if it was like an everyday occurrence that happens in his life all the time. Maybe they were trying to warn him or maybe they just were so annoyed that he never reacted that they thought, fuck you, we're going to sink your boat and you can stay with us in the afterlife forever and we can annoy you no. for all time. Yeah, I think I'll end it on that. Have you got anything else? Um, Have you got any other comments about lighthouses, Mark, besides wanting to go inside one? No, just I'd like to actually go properly inside one. I think it would be cool. Maybe see if we can see any ghosts. Yeah, we should go 
ghost hunting and I wouldn't like to go to one where thousands of people have died in front of the front door though. Yeah, we would. We, That's well, maybe a bit too much bad energy, but no, I want to go there. Okay. I'm Charlie Charlie Big Spud. I'll I like to um think that I could um, handle going to evil places with like hundreds of ghosts. But I probably would um end up being like scared and running off. But I always say that I could I could take it. I could sleep there overnight, no problem. I'm tough. <laughs> I don't let ghosts scare me because I don't believe in them. I don't I mean to be fair it. with that one, like all the dead people outside does seem terrifying, but actually it is miserable. It's just like me. hearing footsteps, sometimes there's a lady at the top of the stairs, wet man might knock the door. Like that's all right. I can deal with that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see the hordes of dysentery cut co- like soldiers covered in shit, you know, covered yeah. in so gangrenous. I'm assuming they're the smelly ghosts, so I just wouldn't sleep. Smelly ghosts. Just carry a bottle of Febreze with you, and that'll sort them out. <laughs> <laughs> like the Ghostbusters would. That's, yep. The new, the new film of Ghostbusters, they just carry a bottle of Febreze in their back, pack their proton pack, get rid of the stinking ghosts. But Not the I don't ghosts, understand how Febreze works because I thought it just like you know covered up the smell with a fragrance, but apparently it actually eliminates the smell. But where does it go? How does it do that? Yeah, I don't understand that either. God, we're so dumb. <laughs> I don't know if we are. I'm sure it's very complicated. It can't be that complicated. Should have put Febreze on the list. <laughs> Febreze? <laughs> we don't understand it. It's okay. Where does the smell go? Into the Axis Mundi. Everything goes to the Axis Mundi. Anywhere that I don't understand goes into the Axis Mundi. I would That's like to think that if we looked is. it up, it would be like, our scientists have found a way to channel bad smells into the Axis Mundi. <laughs> but then why would you want to... Like the Axis Mundi is supposed to be a really nice place. You don't want to put smells in there unless it just disappears. I'm taking this too far now. I'm thinking I'm overthinking this. Like I'm now thinking do. about. Uh, I, I actually started thinking about that quite hard there because so that was an actual legitimate question. Yeah, well, maybe there's like a separate dimension where all the bad smells go, and then the Axis Mundi is sort of adjacent to that. Maybe. Like you put it in the Axis Mundi, Mundi, and then the Axis Mundi ends up with the what? The Stinksis Mundi. The Stinksis Mundi. Well, I was just saying that the Axis Mundi detects the bad smells, opens up a, t- a sort of tunnel into the Stinky Mundi, and then farts it in there. That makes perfect logical scientific sense. Yes. Let's put it in my thesis book. I will bury it in the garden for future generations. Well, well let's um, choose our next topic, Mark. And have you updated the list? Or I have. Did you just score it out? Right, okay. Ooh, what's the highest number? Uh, 34. Okay, let's go with number one. Uh, number one is Elementals. Oh, that's a nice change. It is. Okay, Elementals it is then. They're yeah. interesting because they come up a lot in these haunted shows that I watch. Like, mediums claim that there's Elementals haunting the place and they're, they're just like, I don't know how to explain them. Apparently, they're just spirit things that have always been there since yeah, the beginning ghosts, of time. They're just like they're not ghosts. They don't know what they are. The elementals. Yeah. Like the idea of them. Some of them are nice. Some of them are sinister. Some of them just like protect their forests. They're like elementals of, of the land or something. Some of them can be quite cheeky. Cheeky mentals. <laughs> I'd like to think I would be a cheeky elemental. What kind of elemental would you be? Um, I don't know. I like calm. Forest one. Oh, okay. No, no, I don't think I'd be like skipping about playing tricks. I think I'd just be like chilling, making sure the birds were okay. Yeah, but what if someone came and like tried to fuck up the birds? Would you do something to like, or would you just be passively watch? No, I'd open a bog up underneath them and drown oh, them. Oh, okay, yeah, good, good choice. But that's not really cheeky, is. <laughs> I'm trying to picture you as a lighthouse keeper, Mark. I could see you wearing 
like one of those thick um cable knit sweaters yeah but you would have like a fashionable smoking jacket over the top of that and you'd mm-hmm. have a jaunty hat and you'd ha- of course have a pipe and a beard which you kind of look like now <laughs> yeah i feel like, like i it's kind of what it looks like i don't know what kind of trousers would you would wear as a light housekeeper would you wear wool pants or would you wear denims i don't know i feel like i'd wear my black cords yeah your black cords and you would wear whaley but yeah for me i would wear um yeah definitely an oil skin like lever coat with one of those big huge floppy hats that's be the kind of light housekeeper i would be yeah like huge big floppy hat oil skin coat and then underneath that i would have tweed plus fours uh a tweed waistcoat and over the top of that i'd have like a rough light wool jacket with pearl buttons and i would have i would have um hobnail boots so that i could scramble up the rocks and i would have a big hook so I could hook you and throw you <laughs> off the lighthouse. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'd have to have a third person. Who would be the who would be the third person in our lighthouse? Um, David Lynch. See David Lynch. Earlier. <laughs> yes. But he could he tell us some good us, stories. No, he would just give us a weather report every day. That's what he does, and pick a number out of his jar. That's all he would do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, diddly do do do. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> Go out and find your own lighthouse out there, metaphorically or physically. Everyone's got one. Light your beacon. <laughs> Let people into your shores. Guide them into your docks. <laughs> but don't throw them off the rocks. Bye. 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 Bye, Mark. Bye, Leslie. Bye. <laughs>